Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode five of Oh God, It Hurts! Oh God, It Hurts! Uh, as you can hear with me, as always, is my co-host, Game Agent E.T., live from Osaka. How are you, Mr. Tang? I'm doing great, Mr. Six-Button Samurai, a.k.a. JJJ, from hailing from Tucson, Arizona. It's true. Yep. Out here in the 520. Enjoying the desert. Enjoying what passes for winter, which is to say highs of 73, lows of 48. That Um, sounds pretty nice. Here in Osaka, it's a little bit uh, chilly. Yeah. (laughs) About maybe 50, 60 degrees. Right on. But gotta have, a, gotta have a sweet hoodie. Yeah, it's hoodie weather. I got my Parappa hoodie on. It's pretty oh, dope. Delightful. Ready to rock. Yes. <laughs> it has been quite a bit of time since we've been on cast that, you know, is semi-current, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and I recorded the first four episodes of Oh God It Hurts in the span of about a month when we were just sort of trying to hammer out the format, this, that, and the other. And of course, we're going to continue sort of shaping it and doing some funny things with it. But, um, you know, needless to say, it's been an awesome and fun experience thus far, especially working with all of our cohorts at the Ruminations Radio Network. Um, so yeah, network. Just, yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of the podcasts from RRN because nice. uh, just trying to get into uh, this podcasting scene. Uh, as you know, uh, Oh God, It Hurts is my first time being on yeah. a podcast and I wanted to see what was out there. And I didn't really go very far. You know, we have a lot of great shows that, that are on this network and I highly recommend them. Like uh, my favorite right now is probably Brevity Box. Mm-hmm. Those three cats are so cool, man. Just uh, they just talk it up uh, about casual life and just what's going on, and it also includes video games. So yeah, I'm nice enjoying the. I also that throw best. a similarly large shout out to our buddy Optimus and his cast, Retro Futurist. Yep, culture. Um, Love his know. show too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were so many things that um, he and I were all up into way back when, and it's really fascinating um, to see his evolution as like a thinking adult diving back into that well, but just you know having so much more, you know, bringing so much more to the table on those subjects because obviously, like. He's a relentlessly curious person, so he's continued to sort of pick those things apart and yeah, you know, try uh, to he, understand the what, the why, and the who, and all of that. And, he he you know, does a great job. The, he yeah. does, and that's really the the spirit upon which these shows are built. So yeah, we have a great variety um, of shows. We have a lot of good content, a lot of uh, thought provoking content. That yeah. It's just really fun to listen to. Makes you think really hard about some things in life. Uh, you know, things that we enjoy in culture. Just, you know, it's all good humor as well. So I highly sure. recommend it. Yeah. So with that, 
um, we're going to jump into the water cooler segment and sort of talk about um, things that are percolating on the video game news side and otherwise. Um, you and I had touched on this a little bit before, but it became a lot more of a topic for discussion in the meantime, and that is the online Nintendo's online service expansion. Yep. And there's definitely some mixed feelings involved. There, there is quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, they didn't do quite a good job with the emulation initially from what i understand a lot of people have been tweeting about how some of the games have glitches don't work as well as they did in the original and also some incompatibilities with uh, the built-in uh n64 controller uh well basically uh if you are nintendo's uh uh, switch online uh, uh i guess if you're on the service i uh th there's like a some sort of membership mm -hmm. if you are part of the membership you can buy controllers uh to use for the nso including a nintendo 64 controller right right and this thing has a built-in rumble pack from what i understand and mm -hmm. even with this built-in rumble rumble pack there are some games that do not recognize the compatibility from what i understand with the so it's like the, the emulation wasn't fully fleshed out in order to interface with this controller yeah as you would expect from playing like the same game on an original n64 yeah and it's kind of shocking that they didn't really check that if that was true i mean i can't confirm because i don't have the controller yet nor do i have the service we'll talk about that later but yeah uh but it's surprising that a lot of these issues came about and yeah, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. I mean, their track record to this point is absolutely spotty. I agree. Um, you know, if you already like the N64 and the Sega Genesis games are on the next tier of subscription beyond just the basic one, which gives you access to NES and Super NES games to this point. And the yep. thing is, with both of those systems, it was like pretty big initial offering of titles, like a lot of the classics that you would absolutely expect to have access to. And then a little bit of a release afterwards. Yeah, the, and then the, just... the the Nintendo drip feed that they're most famous for, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Painful. Um, it's like water torture. Well, that's water the thing. torture. I mean, you know, I'm certainly not. You know, it's been a long time since like the 16-bit system wars. Yep. And in that time, like, actually, you know. To be perfectly realistic about it, even in that time, like I owned more than one console because, damn it, there were too many good games for everything in that time. Yeah, no and sense. I still fundamentally to believe, yeah, and I believe that we're pretty much in the same boat today. Exactly. But that said, when you look at the offering from Nintendo, and you look at say 
what Microsoft offers on Game Pass. Now, granted, yeah. those are two completely different pricing structures. Game Pass, obviously, much, much more expensive per month. Yeah. But in terms of just like the level of expected features, even in just like a network functionality sense, the Nintendo stuff is still incredibly lacking. Yeah. And you don't have that sense of value. You feel like you really don't. You feel like, why am I paying for this half the time? Whereas, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't have an Xbox. I used to have a 360 and a original Xbox, but could you explain to us uh, how much uh, Game Pass is in terms of price and value? Yeah. Um, So you can just get like what used to be called like the Xbox Gold subscription. Yeah. Which just enables you to have like your online feature set unlocked and all the basic network functionality. That's still, I want to say it's still like 60 bucks a year. Yes. But then the Game Pass subscription specifically is about 15 bucks a month. But that gets you this fairly large curated library of digital games that you can access and play as yours every month. And of course, some games slide into the service, some games slide out of the service. most of the really big Microsoft titles, like your Forza Horizons, your Halo, that sort of thing, that's all just going to be a part of that pass all the time. So that's it's a um, really interesting and intense value proposition. I personally think it's worth it. Um, yeah. And the, the thing is, the good. network features are still just light years ahead of what's happening with nintendo online service get this you could probably chat with your friends during the game without you know having a smartphone or yeah (laughs) dude that's oh man what what time am i living in right (laughs) i don't to this i mean to this day i truly cannot understand why like you know nintendo is obviously a very strict traditional Japanese company. Yeah. And chances are like if the technology wasn't made there, conceived there first, they're probably somewhat averse to utilizing it. They do kind of live in a cave in terms of getting with the times and certain things. Yeah. I mean, they're brilliant in some things, but way, way behind in others. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I still maintain that like, as developers of what is like a $60 SKU now, when they put together a really big, you know, franchise flagship title, you know, your Super Mario Odyssey, your Breath of the Wild, those are still among the most value-packed games in existence. You know, they're fantastic and they're worth every single penny. But there's just this whole middle range of services that the other hardware manufacturers have figured out how to deliver very well. And they just still, like, you can just tell it's still really not a priority for them. It is not. And (laughs) although they 
put in some effort, obviously getting the Sega Genesis Mega Drive library into the NSO is quite a feat in itself. At the same time, it's kind of a questionable type of act. Like, why did you do this when you're not really, you know, going full forward with it? You're kind of right. going half speed with it. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just say, hey, we got this. Let's keep running. Let's run full speed ahead. We'll offer all these titles off the bat. And instead of drip feeding it, we'll just keep adding more and more. Or God forbid, have all of them all at once from the beginning. You know? Right. Not- See, I, we've we've talked about this before, and it still just feels like, such a wasted opportunity it is for them to put forth like the best possible subscription gaming service there is because if you think about it like almost the entire tradition of great japanese gaming franchises as we have known them to this point they all spawned from that period of the nes and the super nes and that's still I think something that has tremendous mind share, particularly in the minds of a lot of older players, you know, are ourselves included. So I don't understand why for the life of me, they don't, they didn't look upon that and try to rip it down with both hands. You know what I mean? Like they should have been the ones to establish the Netflix for retro gaming and however that would bridge into their present day library. Yeah. I mean, it it's kind of disheartening because you also look at how they actually were probably one of the major forces of mini retro consoles, like when they brought out their miniature NES and Super mm-hmm. NES. Mm-hmm. People bought it like hotcakes. And that should yeah. have been a huge light bulb saying, hey, we can use these retro titles from our past libraries and market them really well in our current Nintendo Switch. And let's change the way we do things and have it so that, you know, as I mentioned before, have it so it's like Netflix where you have all the titles available Mm -hmm. and you can play it whenever you want. Uh, sure, you might have to be online, that's fine, but it would make the service much more worth it than leaving people in the dark wondering, oh, is my favorite title from Nintendo 64 going to show up? Or uh, is it going to be emulated fairly well, or is it just going to be like a slipshod version of it that Mm -hmm. runs slow and, you know, has lag? input lag because it's not emulated correctly so Mm -hmm. it's quite disappointing yeah no i really wish they'd uh i really wish they'd get their shit together on this particular front because it is kind of consistently disappointing watching that they need to hire someone they need to hire someone with the quickness they need somebody in the hierarchy there that understands that space and is actually passionate about expanding Nintendo's particular share of that space. Because right now, like 
uh, I would say they're just getting run over on that front. Yeah, it's surprising. Um, and it, and it, 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 it also makes no friggin' sense when you consider the established user base that they have with the Nintendo Switch right now. Like, it and just I feels think, like they're, they're missing out on something enormous. Yeah, uh, and it'll be telling what the figures are in the months to come because I think for for the time being, a lot of people are just getting the basic service just to play online games like people who like Smash or people who like Splatoon. Or they're gonna, person. yeah, definitely. But mm-hmm. is the worth there when you're paying an extra what? I don't know how much it is in the U.S., but here in Japan, I think it's from it goes from two thousand to five thousand yen a, uh, a year. Right. So is it here? It's roughly the same. It goes from like twenty bucks a year to fifty bucks a year if you want that expanded tier that includes N sixty four Genesis and the uh, Animal Crossing DLC. Yeah. And Which is also weird. It's also profoundly weird to me to like, like you wouldn't give your users a choice of what that DLC would be. Like yeah. you're just offering the one thing. And I would imagine there's probably some sort of market research underlying that. Like they just said, okay, there are this many active Animal Crossing users. Let's just bundle it with that. But at the same time, like it feels goofy that if you were somebody that never plays animal crossing you're basically buying a piece of dlc that you will never use exactly um if they could think a little bit out of the box why don't you add other games dlc packages inside this upgraded nso like hey why not add in the breath of the wild dlc package if people don't have it there you go yeah. And other DLC packages that are in, you know, popular Nintendo games like Splatoon 2, uh, their Octo expansion. Mm-hmm. Throw that in. Yeah, then... I mean, any of those for all the DLC for Mario Kart, like yep. you could have at least like five robust choices for people. Yeah. And so. if they quit, then well, you lose that stuff, but hey, it's at least a little bit more incentive to stay on or to upgrade. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree very much so. Uh, Um, Two steps forward, one step back. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But, you know, that is what it is. Nintendo's going to Nintendo. That's so Nintendo. Yep. (laughs) They're not likely to change anytime soon. Oh. Um... One interesting phenomenon that I wanted to talk about a little bit, um, you know, there's this whole new realm of re-releases that have come about from companies like Limited Run Games, Retrobit, Columbus Circle. Um, Do you have any of these games in your collection or what's your feeling about these? No, I don't, but... um... There are a couple that I played that um are part of that whole re-release list. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great idea because, geez, I mean, it's the same in the U.S., but anytime I go to Super Potato, which is a used uh, video game store around Japan, especially in Tokyo and Osaka, mm-hmm. I would see these carts uh go for close to a thousand U.S. dollars mm-hmm. just to buy this game. 
But now they're having these replicated carts where you can buy it again. They'll have manuals and everything complete Mm -hmm. in box. But it's only 6,000 yen, 7,000 yen. Right. It's just the price of like a regular retail release. Yeah. I think it's a great idea because it gives another opportunity for people to buy it. It gives another generation an opportunity to play it for the first time. And even people, yeah, who love the game uh, ever since it came out, yeah, they'll double dip because it's a support, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, there is a little bit of a warning. Uh, I'll mention this real quick. Uh, I think some people are familiar with uh, Super Double Dragon, a.k.a. Return of Double Dragon for the oh, Super yes. Famicom. Mm-hmm. That was released by Retroism, uh, re-released, I should say. And uh, with that game, uh, unfortunately, they had a little bit of an oversight where they didn't realize that these uh, replicated cards, which are officially licensed, I believe, by Technos, they do not work with the first generation Super Nintendo consoles that have, uh, I believe, two chips. Uh, that's what people were mentioning uh Mm -hmm. so in the beginning they marketed it as oh it'll work with nes nes and then later on they'll they retract and saying um we have a big warning if you have an original (laughs) nes don't you don't don't get this (laughs) wow so do be careful original on on the original run of super famicoms that will not run uh super nintendo systems because it was released in north american territories okay uh, they wow. also re-released it in Japan, but I don't know if there are any issues with Famicom's running Return of Double Dragon replicated carts in Japan made by, you know, for Japanese audiences. So, yeah. But yeah, other than that, I think it's great as long as it works. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is you end up finding that, like, with a lot of these new school retro console releases, um, there's a lot of strange little problems that can happen. Um, there was another one for the Genesis slash Mega Drive called Demons of Astaborg. Yeah. And apparently that game had an issue where the first run of cartridges were not, the edges of the carts were not beveled properly. Oh. And so, like, it would work but there were a lot of red flags raised about what that might mean for like long-term wear and tear on people's systems, especially considering the fact that, you know, these systems are all like 30 years old now. So. Yeah. And you don't want to wreck your retro gaming <laughs> exactly. system. So yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, and since. So I don't then, know. It's an interesting thing and I can understand like, you know, the desire to have like a brand new, like real cartridge to feed your real piece of hardware. But at the same time, like it also reveals like how many pitfalls there are associated with that kind of manufacturing. Yeah. I mean, because they're obviously not using the original specs. So uh, I I guess the best thing to say is don't buy it day one. (laughs) Definitely look at the reviews on Amazon and Reddit Mm-hmm. Check, check to see if there's anything going on with compatibility issues or any sort of yeah and there's a lot of way to support those games now too because typically now with a lot of them if you make that purchase they'll also offer you a digital copy 
so you can get like a legit ROM to run on whatever else it is you're into. Like if it's an analog console with jailbroken firmware or the Mr. FPGA, like yeah, there's a lot of different ways to play those things now. So like if you've kind of got cold feet about it, like you could try a game out that way by like buying the ROM. And then if it turns out you really dig it and you end up wanting a copy, you could sort of sidestep that initial yeah. pre-order process and just wait to make sure that, you know, people have gotten theirs and it's actually going to wind up working the way it should. But I like that option because if you get the ROM and you enjoy the game, then you might decide, yeah. oh, I'll get the physical copy, but, you know, it'll be just for collection. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of players are actually opting for that now. We're like, they buy the game and, you know, it's just going up on the shelf anyway. Yeah. And then the active use of it will come from the ROM or the, you know, digital copy for Switch or whatever. So it's cool. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's more ways to play than ever. And that's always exciting. I love it when there's always options. That's, yeah. that's always my deal. So, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. So we're going to take a 10-second break right now so you can hear from some of our other compadres here on the Ruminations Radio Network. The year is 2043. You're playing fantasy fantasy football. football. It is championship week. You're trying to set your lineup and you don't know what to do. Robert Griffin IV and his top target, Will Fuller VI, have carried you all season, but they're facing a London Jaguars team that has the top defense in the league. Your other quarterback is a 66-year-old Tom Brady who's playing against the much more manageable Toronto Bengals. So you turn to Nick and Elijah of the 25 Yards Later podcast, a production of Sports Obsessive and Ruminations Radio Network. Be a champion. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we're back. Woo. Hey, 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 hey. So, Eddie, what are you playing right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I know this is Thanksgiving, but uh, the game I played recently, I didn't feel so thankful of. <laughs> It was, it was a bit of a turkey. Yeah, not the delicious kind, unfortunately. I I know some people have varying opinions, but here's what I recently played. It was a uh, a game that uh, is a take on a classic title, very classic title, Atari okay. cla- classic, Centipede. Okay. So they made a new version called Centipede Recharged. And what and... platform was this on? You can get this on Switch, and I believe it's also on PS4, PC, and I believe Xbox, the newest Xbox systems. So Okay. Um, but yes, when I played this game um, for the first time when I was young, uh, yeah, it was totally fun. Just very hectic, very frantic type of game. Uh, it was definitely one of the best trackball games ever made. Yes. Uh, is probably one of my sister, uh, my sister's, uh, one of her favorite games, too. Yeah, and I, I would also, I would chime in and say that that's really a game that 
doesn't especially work any other way with the trackball. Yeah. Without the trackball. Yeah. So is that what you found here? <laughs> well, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But what really killed it for me was the fact that this game, when you play it, uh, the main game, you only have one life. Oof. You do not have a collection of lives like in the previous game, which that was part of the fun. You right. try to get a high score. You try to outlast yourself, uh, your mm-hmm. your old uh, high scores. And it was pretty frantic because there was an enemy, the spider, which was mm-hmm. very quick, very unpredictable. Yeah, and you bum rush your shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'd be on a run, and then suddenly, you know, the spider got on a, on a run and would kill Flash. you. You know, take three of your lives in one one stage. You know, but in this game, uh, the spider is a lot slower. Oh, and well, it's kind of understandable because of the fact that it's only one life. But at right. the same time, that frantic pace is kind of not really there anymore so yeah it just sounds like the rhythm of that game would completely fall apart with just one life yeah and in addition to that there's a lot of power-ups now so that changes the dynamic completely right so i'll give it another day in court sometime but yeah my first take is nah nah that's too bad yeah isn't so, there also an Asteroids Recharged on the way? That's coming out soon, and Black Widow Recharged came out uh, last month near Halloween. Wow, and deep... unfortunately, I love Black Widow back in the, back in the day. The, right, I the, remember the cabinet as well. Yeah, Twin Sticks. Mm-hmm. Gotta love those games. But, right. Yeah, and Vector this, Graphics, yep. of course. Yep. yep. But this game, I heard, only has one life as well. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. See, and by contrast, I'm going to talk about a game that you and I both love to pieces. Yeah. Um, when you talk about Pac-Man Championship Edition. Yes. Yes. That game's momentum is all about running your score up like crazy mm-hmm. and piling up the guys so that when you die, it's not so much the death that leaves you crippled moving forward. Yeah. It's because it costs you time and flow. Yeah. And it's that maddening break in the rhythm that makes you want to jump back in and have that kind of, you know, that head of steam building up beneath you once again. And this is fresh in my brain right now because the game that I've been absolutely hooked on once again is that damn uh, the Pac-Man Championship Edition D-Make for NES slash Famicom. Oh, yeah. It's a great D-Make. Yeah, if you... (laughs) I just... Yeah, I mean... You know, I'm one of those people that it's like, I'm an old jaded gamer now. You know, when I hear something is great, I'm just like, well, let me see how it turns out. And with that, like, I was curious because I think you and I had pretty much agreed that Pac-Man Championship Edition was, like, our favorite edition of Pac-Man to this point. Yep, I agree. Because of its addictive qualities. Yep, it's solid. Yeah, but at the same time, like, 
it blows my mind just how much that 8-bit demake still manages to capture all of the things that make that, I mean, that was originally an Xbox 360 game, all of the things that make that game excellent, like none of that was lost. But at the same time, you have this completely wonderful added layer of charm by having it be a version of that game that probably is fairly stressful on the Famicom slash NES hardware. From what I understand, it could run on a Famicom because it was built with those specs in mind. Right. And that's like so impressive to me, the fact that they like limited themselves and did that as an in-house project that went out on that specific Namco collection for the Switch. Like, that's amazing. amazing. Like, it's just such a, I don't know, like, you have to really admire some of the stewardship that Namco has done with regard to Pac-Man. And that's one of the reasons you and I are really excited about the forthcoming Pac-Man oh, Museum. Oh, Pac-Man Museum Plus, yes. When I heard mm-hmm. about that game coming out uh, early 2022. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's on. It's on. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they'll have leaderboards. But yeah. Yeah. I played that for months on my 360. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a joy. Just, just uh, laser focusing on getting a high score, having fun, getting frustrated, but in a good way. Yep. And, it and was, I know we're also excited about um, yeah. finally getting a legitimate port of Pac-Man Arranged. Oh, thank Which will God. also be on there. Yes, <laughs> we're talking about not the console version on the PSP, but the arcade one that was part of the Namco Collection Classics, I believe, uh, part volume two, mm-hmm. uh, which also had Dig Dug Arrangement and uh, Rally X Arrangement. Dig Dug yep. Arrangement was great as well. Rally X Arrangement, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was good but uh yeah frustrating to play but mm-hmm. yeah pac-man arrangement uh i remember playing it for the first time on my game boy advance and yeah. oh my god they did a great job with that uh when i eventually saw it in the arcades i was amazed at how well they uh made the port it was mm-hmm. just uh I mean, the screen wasn't as big, obviously. It would pan around. But gameplay, sound-wise, everything. It felt like the arcade. And I remember almost one CCing that game. I almost did it. Almost did it. I mean, shockingly, a shockingly accurate port, considering the enormous hardware differences. Especially the sound chip. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, between the the sound and the um, format of the screen, there are yeah. some huge hurdles. But thankfully, but, soon that will not be our only option of playing that game. But yeah, you've been playing that as well, right? Pac-Man yeah. Arrangement. Yep, um, been playing a little of that on GBA. Um, I also have definitely been playing some more Quake, and um, also getting in some Forza Horizon Five, which. You know, that's a very new school sort of driving game. Um, and yeah, like, I'm traditionally much more of an arcade racing person. Like, <clears throat> Ridge Racer knows that I love the Ridge Racer series. Me too, man. You got me into Jesus. Ridge Racer. Yeah. It's all because um, of you. Well, I mean, uh, we lucked out here. I mean, 
Tucson was never like first on the arcade circuit as far as like getting new things, but the biggest golf and stuff in town got a Ridge racer cabinet, like a deluxe sit down one very early in that game's life. And I remember the first day I laid eyes on that machine, I was just like, I need to play that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I did. And, you know, subsequently just about every iteration of that game. So while I hope in my heart of hearts for a Ridge racer comeback at some point, um, I know one ups doing that cabinet. And I'm, yeah. I'm that looks pretty sweet. Skeptical. The arcade one up one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm skeptical about it until I see how good the emulation is because like, that's not the most documented chipset in the history of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't, system 22 doesn't get anywhere near the kind of main development love that something like, you know, model one or model two hardware from Sega has. So we'll see what comes of it. I hope it's cool. I Would you get it? Hope it's not so I can avoid buying it. <laughs> would you get it? I want to ask the hard question. Would you get it? I, I would be, it would be tough to pass that up. Do if it. It's really, really well done. Do it. I don't know. Do it. Make me proud, brother. Do I also it. don't have a lot of room for that kind of thing. In my it's not so big, dude. It's an arcade one up. It's like three fourths of the size of a cabinet. Come on. Come on. I'd have to ponder it, man. (laughs) You have to invest some serious thought in that bad boy. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else that you're thankful for that's on the horizon, Ed? I know you were looking forward to the Pocky and Rocky remake, which I know got delayed. Yeah, Natsumi Atari uh, needed a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, time in the oven for this game. And Mm -hmm. I don't mind at all because it looks excellent. And since we're talking about thanks, I'm very thankful for Natsumi Artari. I highly recommend their games. Wild Guns Reloaded. If you haven't played Wild Guns Reloaded or... Ninja Warriors once again, or the Ninja Saviors, uh, as we call it in North America. Mm -hmm. They do an exceptional job with making old games with a new twist they still yeah. retain the sprites but very updated the gameplay it really is basically like your your you know if you think if you think about like the the level of quality and polish and strictly adhering to the thing in the way that the folks that made sonic mania have gone about that game you're really oh, yeah. dealing with the same thing with Natsume Atari's titles. It's the highest level you yeah. could ever achieve, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, They're made with love. Yep. The sprite work is unbelievable. I mean, it really is like they basically just picked up in like 1996 with better hardware. Well, yeah, because most, if not all of the original crew works on these games. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're that good yep. they're not another company or another uh hand-me-down uh project from uh from the main company so yeah no, i think the ninja warriors once again is my favorite to this point it's mine as well i play it from time to time i played yeah. it uh, last month and i want to play it again because uh just in general the gameplay is addictive you would imagine like i mean it's not 
your typical side scroll beat em up has like a what is it a Z a Y and an X axis plane. I don't I don't know the terminology, but you can move to and from. Right, the it doesn't have that three D depth the way Double Dragon or Final Fight do. All the fighting is on one plane, but it's still yes. amazing. Right, it's still no. I mean, it's with still one got plane. this unbelievable level of depth in terms of like yeah the setups and when enemies attack you and knowing like what they're likely to counter something with and how you can circumvent that how yeah. you can use the entire screen and it's widescreen so mm -hmm. there's a lot more real estate but even the original the yeah. original i played it a little bit and it mm -hmm. didn't feel as you know as solid as this game this game mm -hmm. upped it to the point where it's perfection i think and yeah definitely do yourself a service play some not to me atari games do yeah. it yeah. highly recommended yep those are those are some of the absolute best retro remakes super thankful right for now. them yep so yeah no i'm also uh whenever pocky and rocky shows up day one man Gladly forking out for that. Oh, yeah. Worth yeah. every penny, worth every yen. Yep. All right. So I think we whipped through the things that we are now playing right now. Yep. It's time to branch over into the big question. Ooh. Now, so. you and I hadn't recorded in a couple of months, and we bandied about a variety of big questions, some of which we'll continue to kind of pick apart and present in future episodes but i asked a few other people that i knew this question and it really was the kind of thing that just like stops it stops an old gamer in his tracks it's like wait what oh so <laughs> i'm gonna present this okay if you could only play one company's releases for the rest of your life whose would they be now, this comes in two parts. Part one, it can be any company, including console manufacturers. Part two, only third-party companies that have never put out console hardware. Oh. So, Eddie? Yes. If you could only play one company's releases for the rest of your life, whose would they be? All right. Part A? Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably know my answer. Yeah, Nintendo, yeah, yeah. of course, <laughs> because in my life, they have had the most impactful games that really, really reached out to me and just grabbed me by the brain, shook it and said, bro, this is how video games are. Mm -hmm. this, this is how to live video games. And yeah. it's a good life. I love it. I mean, ever since I played Donkey Kong, once a one of the first games I ever played in my life up to now. Just mm -hmm. every time, well, I wouldn't say every time, but many times when I play Nintendo games, there's like this sense of like I'm a kid again when I mm -hmm. see some things that I see in the games that nobody else has done. It makes me feel like uh, just wow, like just uh, for example, when I played Super Mario 3D Land, mm -hmm. they did a lot of 3D tech that wasn't in any other 3D game on the 3DS at the time that just made it real fun. Like uh, how 
they hid certain things in the background or foreground and it kind of made it fun to discover where right. things were. And then with Super Mario Odyssey, where there were some level designs and some even some uh, enemies in the game where you would see how they would uh, react in the environment. And you were like, wow, that's really, really cool. I yeah, I really feel like a kid again, just like discovery, all, new discoveries of things that you've never seen before. Now they're in this video game that you're enjoying and that sets Nintendo apart from all the rest. And I'd be more than happy to play their games from, you know, only their games from now until the end of time. You know, they have mm -hmm. a deep catalog, a lot of games that I have not played yet, yeah. uh, especially uh, games like Custom Robo. I would love to try out their games someday. I'd mm -hmm. like to get more into F-Zero because I played a little bit back in the day, but not as much as others. I, yeah. I, I would love to. He means me. <laughs> <laughs> I do mean him. <laughs> because uh, if it wasn't for James, I wouldn't really be into racing games, to be honest. That's why I like Ridge Racer so much. But. Yeah, when F Zero came out, I wasn't really as into it as others. So, but yeah, I would love to play the F Zero library again if I had yeah. time. So that would especially be especially if they made it more available. Yeah, <laughs> as if Nintendo would do something like that. Oh well, you right. know. Yeah, yeah, that's like money. Who right. who wants money nowadays? Not Nintendo. Well, okay, sidebar. <laughs> Ed, have you ever seen the movie Mean Girls? No. <laughs> Why? Okay. So Mean Girls is the story of an outsider who, like, she's basically an exchange student. She winds up at this high school. And just by virtue of her looks, though, she has absolutely no social vocabulary for the high school she walks into. Yeah. She winds up befriending both kind of the uncool kids and the super cool young ladies that are known as the plastics. Nice now, name. Within the plastics, there are a few different people. And one of them is always trying to make the word fetch like slang. Like fetch is cool. Like that's so fetch. And in some ways, like that's become a long running meme where it's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. And in some ways, Nintendo is basically like 3d is their fetch. Like they've been trying to make 3d this mainstream thing for so long. And like, I mean, way back to like the Famicom glasses, right? Yep. Uh, and then it continued with the virtual boy, right? Uh-huh. And then the stereoscopic. That's not uh, the best PD. verb for it. Yeah. It really continued. <laughs> it happened again. And then, oh. Well, you know. But it's it, sad, though, because, like, with the 3DS, you probably had the most successful possible implementation of it because it was a passive thing that didn't require goggles. And particularly on the second run of hardware, it actually worked much, much better. It did. Like with the tracking. Yeah. And of course, did. they would come up with a really interesting use 
for that kind of technology, particularly like in a Mario game. But like, it's almost unfair what they bring to the table creatively. You know what I mean? Because they're only going to be the ones that are going to exploit something weird like that and actually find the middle ground between like a tech feature and something fun. You know what I mean? Something out so, of the ordinary besides having the 3D effects, they do something that, you know, something that enhances the gameplay more than just having right. the effects. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> Only they can do it. Mm-hmm. But that's why okay, I love so them. Your part, your part one answer is Nintendo. Yep. What is your part two answer? I think you, you know this answer as well. Company. Yeah. All right. Bring it. It's Capcom. Okay. <laughs> and I will explain why. Because right. I grew up playing games like uh, in the arcade Final Fight, Black Tiger, Strider, Ghosts and Goblins. And seeing We've had these so many games, conversations about Black Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> that Piper. needs to be out again on current systems. I really wish Capcom Arcade Stadium would have that game. Yeah. Such a missed opportunity not to have that game. It's it is. enjoyable. Beautiful game. But anyways, yeah. back in those days. Uh, it's also the Magic Sword prequel. For anybody that knows Magic Sword but does not know Black Tiger. I did not know that. Well, that I mean, news to me. I don't know that it is in a literal story sense, but in terms of gameplay. Well, I agree there. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Although Black Tiger is actually much more of a platformer than Magic Sword is. Yeah. So Ma- yeah. Uh, Magic Sword's very linear, I believe. Yeah. So. Uh, but yes, um, when these games came out in the arcade, I would say they were the pinnacle of things like graphics, music, sound, gameplay. They were yep. just on top of everything. I mean, CPS one games, when they first appeared in arcades, when you first saw Strider or ghouls and ghosts or forgotten worlds, like all those games looked considerably better. Oh yeah. Than than just about everything else appearing in arcades at the time, with the exception of like some of the Sega's 3d stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you had the characters, the character designs, Mm-hmm. The storylines, just everything was top, top mm-hmm. shelf. And yes. that's why I love them back then. Uh, they also have many series that I love that are still going, uh, mm-hmm. like Ace Attorney. I'm a big fan of Ace Attorney. Uh, I believe yeah. 20th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Street Fighter, of course. Dark yep. Stalkers, Resident Evil, Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Love those series. Uh, the current ones. You know, they're still going, still doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. And just like Nintendo, they have a nice backlog. So if I got bored of uh, the current games or the previous games, like there's always a game that I would love to try. And yeah. it would take me up to my dying day to play all those games in full. Yep. So that's why I choose them. Uh, they are also like Nintendo in terms of pioneering a lot of things back in the day. Uh mm-hmm especially with fighting games with street fighter uh resident evil and before that they had sweet home which was probably one of the first horror genre games ever made for the famicom Mm -hmm. so and final fight of course uh pioneering side score beat-em-ups and Mm -hmm. yeah that would be my choice and i would play hyper fighting or super street fighter 2x 
anytime. No problem. Yeah. I would have a blast. And games I would like to play, Zack and Wiki, Rival Schools, Project Justice, Tech Romancer, Star Gladiator, list goes on. Nice. So many things. But yeah. That was classy as fuck, Ed. <laughs> Thank you. I, I prepped for that. <laughs> I, I can tell. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, what yeah. are your... Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What, what are your comments? So, part one is really, really difficult for me. Um, yeah. I have very much the same feelings you do about Nintendo. And yet, there are so many games that I have also loved, um, particularly on their own platforms from Sega. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with the Genesis slash Mega Drive library lately. So I've also been motoring my way through Shining Force. Um, yeah, great I finished series. Fantasy Star 4, you know, a couple months ago now. Nice. Um, I don't know. It's tough because I think the thing that the thing that Sega brings to the table, perhaps a little more so than Nintendo is just the sheer diversity of their offerings that you not just had all these fantastic knuckle busting arcade titles, you know, the things that they initially got famous for. Yep. Shinobi you know, the likes of space Harrier, <laughs> Shinobi altered beast fantasy for me. zone. Yeah. Not, um, not for you, but for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I love all those as well. Um, but they've also done so many interesting takes on different genres in the home. Um, you know, really deep, interesting JRPG games. Um, I still want to play Skies of, Arcari- uh, Ar- Skies of Arcadia. I still want to play that Arcadia game. Arcadia is another one that I need to spend time with someday. Panzer um, Saga? Yeah. Oh. So good, <laughs> and they also innovated it as well, and, like uh, the VMU for the Dreamcast Visual Memory yeah. Unit. I believe that's what it is. Um, yeah, that was awesome because if you think about it, that was like super early precursor of the Wii U <laughs> screen. Yeah, I mean screen. Uh, that the capacity separate. sucked. Yeah, <laughs> like, it did. The fact that you could have like one sports game devour your entire VMU is terrible. Yeah. So there were some things about it that were not good in terms of execution, but like as an idea, like I remember talking about this with our mutual friend Sebastian. Yes. And one of the first things he was excited about was the fact that he could play one on one in his home playing a football game and could have that little screen to choose a play. Yeah, it Just made a huge difference because uh, I mean, it, it wound up not being nearly as important because the online component was the big thing with NFL 2K1. Yeah, um, so no need for the separate screen. Right, but, it kind of deinvented itself at the same time. But, yeah, but I know where he's coming from because him and I used to play Cyberball all the time with a, mm-hmm. a bunch of buddies almost every week for yeah. over a year. Mm-hmm. Great times. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I I'm genuinely torn by that question, but I think at the end of the day, given mm-hmm. 
the entire library on all of this, particularly on their own systems, I would probably have to go with Sega. I think that's a great choice because I would not cry if I ended up, you know, sticking with Sega over Nintendo because they're also very great on their own right. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, like, I love the Nintendo classics to pieces, but like, I have spent my time with them to this point. You know what I mean? So if there's more unexplored country for me there, then that might be the better choice. Um, Now, with regard to third-party companies, Mm -hmm. I've also thought about this a lot. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this one. I think my choice is kind of like the photo negative of yours. Yeah. And by that, I mean Konami. Oh, I... I'm surprised you said Konami. I thought you were going to say Namco. Again, that's another one that's way up there for me, particularly if we're talking about like the 32-bit era forward. Yeah, that's why I thought of you as a Namco guy. And I I love them to pieces. And really, like to me, like the PlayStation 1 is almost more their system than anyone else's. Oh, yeah. We all know Um, that. Yeah. But... um, you know, it's strange that Konami also made a lot of arcade games for a long time. And yet, most of the arcade versions of those games are not the best iterations of those games. It's like a lot of times those games were the prototypes for games that wound up becoming much better despite the limitations of the NES and the Super NES. I have such a profound appreciation when I sit down and just play like the original Castlevania. Yeah. When I think of like how many different things that game was doing, like it was a really tight action platformer and despite being hard, it was actually overwhelmingly fair because of how predictable and precise all the patterns are. It kind of was until you got to the bats. <laughs> the, the bats are assholes. I know. <laughs> they are. But still, like, it's still doable. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, man. Like, between that and just their unbelievable output on the Super Famicom, I mean, Contra 3, uh, Legend of Mystical Ninja, which, you know, you've got the other Goemon games for the system in Japan, which are just masterful. You had fantastic ports of Parodius and Pop and Twinbee. Um, I don't know. Like, I find myself, you know, I've got the Mr. basically loaded up. And when I sit down and I explore those games, I'm just continually blown away by the sprite work, the unbelievable palette, and just how good they were at composing music for those pieces of hardware. Like, yeah, you know, Konami or Capcom excelled so well at things in the arcade. And it was almost like that's kind of where their heart was. And with a lot of the home ports, like they would do a pretty good job with them, but they sort of knew what they were up against. And I mean, really the killer thing was just the limited colors and the, you know, crappier resolution hmm. when you got those games at home. 
But with Konami, I really feel like they were so good at embracing those limitations and still delivering something absolutely memorable that, I don't know, man, between 8 and 16-bit Konami, I think I, I could play those games until the day I die. Yeah, and I would imagine, uh, because you love shooters and Gradius is one of the best shooters of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would be happy as a clam. Just to love the Gradius games. Love Axelay. Um, Jiris? Yeah, Jiris. Jiris, sorry, Jiris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that game. But yeah. I know you played that a lot too. So, yep. Time Pilot. Don't forget Time Pilot. Yeah. Time Pilot is. Uh, that was one of the first things I ever loved in that game. Uh, it's just good. <laughs> yeah, and Konami is a great choice. The only drawback is that recently, you know, they don't really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, fundamentally, they don't really exist in the same state that they did. Yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's more of a holding company for all those IPs. It's a pachinko and, company. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's a bummer because they absolutely were one of the most innovative game studios on the planet. They were. Um, They still have some, you know, very scant few titles that are still popular in Japan, like the Momotaro series. I I don't know if you heard about that game, but it's like a board game. Super popular Mm -hmm. in Japan. Uh, Yeah. After a dispute with the, uh, I guess, the creator of the series, they got back together and they've been making Nintendo Switch games again. And that's always selling out the wazoo in Japan. Yeah. So, but other than that, no Silent Hill. Forget about Metal Gear unless you're interested in the possible Solid 3 remake that another company, I guess, you know, maybe under the wing of Cap, uh, Konami will mm-hmm. bring out. And who knows what Well, else. I mean, I don't know if you've played any of Blue Point's other games, but mm-hmm. they really do an incredible job of sort of navigating that which made a game really, really good and keeping the spirit of that, but then also going, okay, what were the problems with it? You know what I mean? Are they the ones making the Metal Gear Solid uh, 3 remake? Or It's possibly? heavily rumored that they are. Nobody's, um, confirmed, nobody's confirmed it in stone yet, but it's heavily rumored that that's the thing that they're working on. Well, if the other rumors are true and Kojima will also be helping, or consulting at least, I yeah. think it would be pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would look forward yeah. to it. I but... would I would imagine that would come out really, really nicely, especially considering the quality of their other work. Yeah. And hopefully they can do that and kind of bury the, you know, the past with, you know, what happened, what, five, ten years before with the kind of... I mean, that, that whole thing Kojima. just still blows my mind. That It does. You could have somebody who was so absolutely integral to the success of Konami, particularly from the 32-bit age onward. I mean... You, you pushed uh, him both, out the door. Right? I Terrible. mean, both he, he and Igarashi... Yeah. You know, were given the heave-ho, and those guys were such a bedrock of that company's success. So I just... I don't know, man. It's always a bummer when you get people in charge of something that 
have a say over creators and just no real stake in what was laid down before you know yeah i mean I read a a lot of the reports on Konami being a really black company where in terms of having really draconian types of rules, like people being uh, video, video, you know, uh, having so many cameras uh, observing exactly what they're doing at every given moment, things like that, Mm -hmm. making it really hard to work under those conditions. And yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of people left, hopefully, uh, the management over there, the higher ups, the hopefully they reshuffled them and hopefully they'll get back to what made them great is going back to the titles that made them what they are and hopefully exploring new titles, new possibilities and becoming a force again because yeah, they're obviously a shadow of what they used to be now. Mm-hmm. But here's the hoping. Yeah. But it good choice. Nice to see the- I mean, it would it would be lovely to see them make a comeback, but like, yeah, you know this this century has not been particularly kind to a lot of Japanese developers, yeah, that we but, know and love. So, but for me, I'm thankful that Capcom is still around, Namco is still around, Konami. Mm. Eh. That was the <laughs> Triforce for me, though. Capcom, yeah. Konami, Namco. Yeah. So I'm thankful that for them. They made me who I am right now. Also a dark horse in that. I always think about like when a company had like a really strange and interesting and super creative period, like it was wild to see Square do what they did on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. When you think about like Einhander, Tobal 1 and 2. Oh, if they remade Tobal 1 and (laughs) 2. I'm just saying, like, they made some really interesting, you know, games and genres that they were not well known for. Yeah. You know? Um, They took risks, but they were quite successful. And, and geez, who's going to argue that they're one of the best RPG creators of all time? Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, uh, hopefully those rumors are true about Chrono Cross being uh, remade. Yeah. Hopefully that happens because uh both of us love Chrono Trigger. Yep. And I didn't I never get to play Chrono spent Cross. Any time with Chrono Cross. Me neither. Um and I think I would love to play it. Yeah. If I could. A lot of it had to do with the fact that when I found out that it essentially wasn't terribly related to that story. It was very remotely related from what I understand, yeah. Right. It was more about like kind of some themes were mirrored, but it wasn't really connected to that narrative. And so I was like, eh. Yeah. I don't know. But it definitely has its fans out there, though. It had nice music. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those things. Too many games, never enough time. Yeah. I wish and I could retire right which... now. <laughs> play games. <laughs> Just play games for a living. I want to be on Twitch 24-7 playing my backlog of games, getting paid for it. Um, that would be nice you're just gonna have to up your time in the hot tub mister (laughs) oh man is that is that what i need to to do to get the viewers content ed oh yeah 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 Yeah. but you know inner amaranth (laughs) 
I got to go to the gym. <laughs> but anyways, yes, that would be nice right. just to play video games a lot more than right now and not worry about, you know, feeling guilty about sinking your time uh, onto something that's not as productive as what we got to do for our lives, unfortunately. Very true. Yeah. So I believe... We are in shouting distance of the end of this episode of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. Um, <laughs> once again, it was fantastic for all of you to spend a little bit of time with a couple of old gamers catching up across the Pacific Ocean. Um, if you enjoyed this, you should definitely check out some of the other offerings right here on the Ruminations Radio Network. I am JJJ, the Six Button Samurai. And my name is Game Agent ET. Please uh, look me up on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And you can also find our Oh God It Hurts account at Oh God It Hurts on Instagram as well. Yep. With the uh, HZ. HZ. Yep. HZ. And you can look uh, us up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Yep. Please rate so, and subscribe. Rate, subscribe, like, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thanks again for spending time with us, Ed. I look forward to talking you, with you again, my friend. Yep, stay fresh. Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.